Welcome back to OK What's Next. It's episode two of the podcast where you're invited to join Jason Van Ruler. Jason is a speaker, coach, and licensed therapist with over eight years of experience invested in getting people back on track and keeping them there. Season two of OK What's Next will answer your questions on how to maintain a healthy romantic relationship, an area Jason specializes in professionally. You can find Jason on Facebook and Instagram at jason.vanruler and listen at the end of this podcast to learn how to get helpful advice and strategies sent straight to your inbox. Welcome back to another episode of the OK What's Next podcast with Jason Van Ruler and... Jewel Joy. That was nice, Jewel. Good timing. Uh, <laughs> what are we talking about today, Jewel? Well, we want to take a quick look at last episode where we did basically a foundation of what a healthy relationship looks like. You mentioned three main elements that you want to have, which is shared goals and values. So you're heading in the same direction as that person. Then you want communication so you can communicate those goals and values. And lastly, a sense of intimacy or the ability to connect either emotionally or experientially. And you also mentioned some unconventional ideas like it's okay to disagree. It's important to know the history of your partner and there doesn't always need to be a problem. Sometimes everything is going fine and you can leave it that way. I made that one up. (laughs) But basically, if you're committed, then you can do it. Yeah. So after we went through that, what do you think people are coming back with if they say their relationship is like that? or it's not like that, what do you think are going through people's minds now that they finished that episode? Yeah, so I'm going to make up some things here. But my guess is, and some feedback I get, is that we're kind of in one of three positions. We're in a position of, hey, we're actually doing pretty well. This is great. Thanks for confirming that, Jason. Or you might be in a place where you say, this is not good, but I think we can actually work on it and we can get better. Or you might be in a place where you're pretty sure your relationship is terrible. I would say those three possibilities are probably most likely. Pretty sure your relationship is terrible. <laughs> and actually, I'm just the guy telling you that. Yeah, you didn't know it, but now I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you that. Those people are now listening with their headphones, just like sobbing they eating ice cream. They are thanking me. They are <laughs> like, thanking me as they listen. Now yes. that I know my relationship is awful, what do I do? <laughs> right. I don't have that answer. I, I haven't studied that far, so I'm We'll I'm take you to the sure. dump, but we won't take you away from it. <laughs> That's about how this is going to work. So we're in one of those positions probably, or maybe even like a mix of a couple of them, but there's definitely something coming up. And I know even for some of us, when we hear about the components of something that is working, sometimes we have a tendency to go to a place of shame and guilt and say, well, that's not me. And so there must be something wrong with me. And I just want to challenge that for a second and say like, I know that some of us want to take responsibility for everything and that's super cool. And you don't always have to. Sometimes your relationship's just in a bad spot and you need to dig out and that's just how it is. It doesn't have to be because there's some defect inside you. Another reaction might be something that I'd be more likely to do, which is to want to fix everything at one time. So like write down all the problems and then just attack them. But I feel like that could be a little overwhelming for the person you're with. Not at all. No, that's a great (laughs) strategy. Well, I like this strategy. That's called the reduce anxiety strategy is if I can just come up with tasks and solve them, then there's not a problem, right? And so the issue is, I think in relationships, there's always going to be something. It's kind of like, you know, I've got some kiddos and I want a clean house. Like I totally love a clean house. But when you have kids, like there's always going to be something. There's always going to be a Lego on the floor. There's always going to be like someone left a banana out or someone leaves clothes. There's like, there's just always going to be a thing. And so I think sometimes in relationships, we walk into it and we expect it's always going to be perfect. Man, that's a lovely fantasy to have. It's just probably not realistic. And so some of this too is just acknowledging 
it doesn't have to be spotless. There can be little things, but if there's big glaring things, we probably need to do something. How do we tell the difference between something that's just a thing left out like a banana versus there's a hole in the wall? Yeah, I think how often are we interacting with it and how much of a problem is it? I used to work at this place where we would get some deliveries and we had kind of the central dispatch desk. And one day we got a delivery of some boxes and they didn't know where to put them. And for that matter, I didn't know where they should put them. So I had them literally put them like right by my desk, the central dispatch desk that everybody walks by. So they put them there and I just kind of promptly did nothing with them. I was like, okay, well, I don't really know where to go with those. So I left them there. And what happened is that it started to kind of affect the office culture. Like people would walk around the boxes to talk to me and their lives changed a little bit in terms of the boxes because they had to maneuver differently. Eventually, people would kind of trip over them. It became this real problem until I had a colleague come in one day and he looked at me and he said, you know, why do you have those boxes? Like they're completely in the way. He's like, come on, Jason. Yeah, he's like, this is, seems simple. I didn't really know what to do with it. So I just left them there. And I think if it's a problem like that, where we go like, yeah, that is in the way and I trip over it, but I'm not sure what to do with it. So I leave it. That's a good sign we need to deal with it. Is that a process that you work through with the other person or do you have to file away how things affect you personally? So I think the funny thing is that we don't always agree on the boxes, right? Sometimes what's a box for me is not for my spouse. And so we have to have that conversation of this is in the way for me. Is it in the way for you? The caveat is that everything can't be in the way, right? So I tell people like, yep, again, there's going to be some little things that you're going to have to let go. So you can't say like every day there's a box. It just doesn't work like that. But you get to pick a few. So we're working on communication side then. One of the three elements that you mentioned, we want to be able to communicate and talk to people and figure out what are the boxes and what's just a banana. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. What is just a banana? So I think to do that, we have to check in with our person and just know, do they share our view? Right. So sometimes I'll work with a couple or I know even in my own relationship, I do this really, really funny little trick that people hate where I say, I want you to rate your marital satisfaction. So scale of one to 10, one, I hate their guts. We're getting divorced tomorrow. 10, we're disgustingly in love. Where are you at? And I give each person a sticky note. And they have to each write at the same time. Oh, that sounds really It's really insane. It's like, it's really, really oh, terrible. Because you don't know what they're going to write. Right. And so if you can see what they're going to write, obviously you change your answer, right? If they're like a seven, you're like, well, I think it's a seven too. But when I do that and I say like, hey, write it down, give it to me, then we'll talk about it. What I find is that some couples, one person puts a two and one person puts an eight. And then other couples, they're, they're both one's five, one's six. But what we want to do first is just kind of decide, like, are we a long ways off or are we pretty close? Because that's really important. Do you have people come in that are, in a sense, kind of in denial and they put a high number because that's what they want, but it's not necessarily what's actually real? Yeah, I think sometimes people put higher numbers for a lot of different reasons. Maybe they truly just believe that and, and they don't have a lot of awareness of how their partner's feeling. I think also sometimes people, and, and I'll admit that I can be a guy like this, my job is like conflict and problem resolution. So I'm always looking for problems. So if you came to me and you said like, well, here's this wonderful design by Eames or some famous designer. What do you think? I could be like, well, I think that little angle's off a little bit. <laughs> like I'm just a guy <laughs> that could do that. The not quite right. Yes, yeah, that's how my mind works. And so I think sometimes it's inflated because people don't know where their partner is at. Other times it's inflated just because they have a different life or worldview. They might say like, well, you know, my parents are divorced. They fought all the time. So like compared to that, 
we're doing pretty darn good. And then other people, maybe more like me, like you could ask me on any given day and I could probably identify like 20 problems. So the reason we do that is different for everyone, but really what we want to find out is how close or far apart are we? Because that's key. Okay. So first step is to talk and communicate, essentially figure out what the problems really are and how important those are to us individually. What happens next? Yeah. So I think once we've identified how close or far apart we are, and then maybe talk a little bit about what are the boxes for each of us, I think what we have to do then is kind of identify what are we willing to do about it? So sometimes those boxes aren't going anywhere. Okay. And that's kind of a bummer. And that's something we have to grieve. But sometimes we go to our person and we say like, you know, I wish you X. I wish you, like, I like to ride a bike. And so uh, I might go to my wife and say like, I wish you really love to ride bike. And she does enough, but she doesn't care about the bike brands. She doesn't care about the totally cool new wheels or these bars that you can get or how fast I can go. Like, that's not important. The new colors that were released this month. <laughs> See, there's, you're, in, you're in my head, Joel. So there's a lot of things that I really find important. She's not. And I can like ask for her to be a different person, but she's probably not. So some of this stuff, we have to decide, like, if we agree it's somewhat of an issue, is it an issue we're willing to do work on? And this is tricky because not everyone's willing to do work on it. And for that matter, if you're listening, you don't have to be willing to do work on everything. And don't tell your person that I said that, but <laughs> there are some things where we just can't be someone else. That's difficult. And I think we always wish that our person was the same as us and it's just not how it's going to be. And so we talk a little bit about what am I willing to do? So if I'm not a good communicator, what am I willing to do to get better? And then where do we go from there? So we're talking about basically two different sides of responding. You have the person who's presenting a problem and the person who's essentially receiving it. So say to take the bike example, if you're saying this is something that's important to me and your wife is saying that's not really very important to me, but I'll value it for you. How does each person know how to balance their response so that they can both compromise and be sensitive to their partner while still being able to enjoy their life? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And really moving to a place of interdependence where we have a healthy relationship. I think you can have two or three key boxes where you might say like, these are really important and I need you to meet me there even if it's tough. And so there is that ability, but that's it, like two or three things. So, I mean, you might say like, I really want kids and that's like a deal breaker for me. So you get a couple of those things, but they can't all be that. And so I think whether they are or aren't, our job as the person listening and receiving that is to validate that it's important for them, even if it's not to you, right? So when we talk about bikes, I feel valued and heard, even though she could care less, right? Or it's kind of like she's got interest in cooking and I've got interest in eating, but I don't have a lot of interest in cooking. And so when I hear about it, I'm as interested as I can be. But if she said, I need you to be a chef tomorrow, I'm not sure I could pull it off, right? I might say like, well, I don't know if that's going to work. So you don't have to adopt the other person's passion, but you can appreciate it and validate it and know that you care about them, even if you don't care about the thing that they care about. Right. And you can lean into it. And so passion is one thing where hobbies, interests, those are important. Where this gets a little different, though, is if we're talking about kind of core issues, then we really have to do some thinking about what we are willing to do. Where I see this come up is sometimes relocation, kids, career, how much we're going to work, what are financial goals, things like that become places where 
it's outside of just an interest and it becomes about safety and well-being to both people. And so in those instances, we have to look at really what are we willing to do and where are we willing to meet? Are there any things that we should keep in mind when we're starting a conversation like that, like ground rules or what's some practical help for actually going through a conversation that touches on things that are so difficult? Yeah. So the thing is, is no rules, right? It's like war. It's just last man standing. Uh, <laughs> hope it works out. There's no. just a bloodbath out there. There are no <laughs> rules for this kind of thing. That's what we're shooting for. No, uh, not exactly. <laughs> so I think first we identify the boxes. We identify our willingness. But then what I would tell people is, what do you want? What are you really going for? And so I think sometimes what we say is, well, here's what I want. Like, I want them to want what I want. Okay, like, yeah, that's totally unreasonable, but I get it. Like, that's what we all want ultimately. So when you go into a potentially difficult conversation, what do you want? What are you willing to settle for? So, well, what I want is I want to budget this much money, but what I'm willing to settle for is three quarters of that. Can we talk about it? So I think having clarity around what we want and what we're willing to settle for or compromise on is really, really important. The other thing that I would even just go back a step and say is not everybody's in a place to do this, right? So some people listening might say like, okay, you're telling us to identify boxes and our willingness, like I can do that, but I don't know if we can have this conversation. So you also have to assess like, are we at a place where this is a conversation that we can do on our own? On your own? Yeah, because I, I don't think everyone can. I think sometimes people need a third party, like a counselor, to be present and maybe help us actually get to where we're trying to go. Because when things are loaded or difficult like this, sometimes we don't show up as our best selves. And so we can start a conversation about a budget and we can end up talking about that thing you did five years ago that really hurt. So how do you tell the difference between when you can functionally talk about something that deep with your partner, whether... Maybe you're like feeling weary or you have other things in the way or when you need to bring in that third person to help you go through it. I'm just going to keep pointing you back to communication. You just ask, right? So you say like, here's the deal. What I'm noticing is these are kind of some issues that continue to come up for us. And I think we need to deal with them. But what's your take on if we can handle this conversation? Like if we sit down and we take an hour and we talk about the fact that I find that you're drinking too much. Do you think that's going to go somewhere healthy? Is that the kind of conversation you have all at once and it's a one and done deal? Or do you recommend doing it regularly throughout a week or once a week? I know that kind of depends on the couple, but. Yeah. So, I mean, this whole thing, I think works best if you do it on kind of a more frequent basis. I know for us, what we try to do is at least once a month, we sit down and we say like, what's working? What isn't? What are the boxes? And the reason we do that is because it's just easier to move them around. If you're talking about it more often, it becomes much more difficult if they've been there a long time because the environment has started to change as a result. So I think if you're hearing this and you haven't done this before, great to start. If you are doing it, I think it's good to be a little bit consistent about how we do it. And then just, like I said, understand, can we lift these on our own? To really go back to the story, some of the reason I didn't know where to put the boxes is because I didn't know where to put them. And I also couldn't lift them on my own. So when they delivered them, I was sort of stuck. And so I think it's okay to say to your person, like, I don't think we can lift this. I want to, and I know we need to, and this is important, but we might have to get help to move that. Mindset might be important there too. Cause if you say you can't lift it by yourself and you feel like maybe even together, you can't lift it. That doesn't necessarily mean you jump ship. Right. There are other ways, like pulling in a crane, right. <laughs> like finding a way to do it. Right. There's a level of determination where if you want to make this work, I want to make this work. We can find a way to do it. 
Right. And that takes a little bit of risk and vulnerability because it's hard sometimes for us to say, I don't think I can lift it. That doesn't feel good for a lot of us or that doesn't feel like we're strong. It's actually a very courageous thing to do, but it can be very challenging just to look at this person and say like, we got this issue and I, I don't think we can do it on our own. So we got to get some help. And that's the place where I would just try to instill some hope is that that's not a bad thing. Uh, the people that I know that are most successful in relationships are the people that know what they can do and they know what they can't do and they know how to ask for help. If I were listening to this and I had a conflict in mind, I would probably be sitting with like this pit of dread. Like, I know I need to talk about this. I don't really know how to bring it up or want to bring it up. What's a good way to get started? Yeah, I think you just did it. So you just nailed it. Perfect job. <laughs> I think you just tell your person. Like, remember when you were vulnerable and you first met and you would share thoughts and feelings? We all, for the most part, did that. If we didn't do that, now is still a good time to practice. So I think even just being honest and kind of narrating what you're thinking. Like, hey, I listen to this Jason guy's podcast, and I think we got to talk about something, and I don't know how to do it. So I'm just going to kind of like stumble through it. I think is going to get you a lot farther than practicing a script. Although I would probably write a script. <laughs> you write a script. It would be 10 pages. I would say chapter one. And by the end of it, no one would know what we're talking about. So she'd be asleep at that point. <laughs> yeah, I would just be like, okay. So um, I think our anxiety and nervousness can say like, well, we have to do it just the right way. But really what we have to do is be vulnerable enough to say, I'm struggling. We're struggling. Let's work through it. Okay. So first step. Communicate, establish your problems, establish your goals, make sure to be vulnerable and honest because sometimes that's the easiest way just to get into something and work through it together. What do you do once you've come to a resolution or a commitment? Can you stick by it or what happens when the other person drops the deal? Yeah, so I think we look at the issue, we talk about our willingness to address it and make some change. We decide if we need some outside help or how we're going to do that in a practical way. So that's really a key is if we're going to address the issue, what does that look like practically? Because if it's not practical or it's not spelled out, I know this is frustrating to some people, it's probably not going to change. So if we, so when I kind of get into with people, if they say they want better communication, I will say, what does that mean? And they'll say, well, it's you know, better communication. Like, I really want you to work on communication. I'm like, yeah, still, what does that entail? And they're like, well, you know, like be a better communicator. I'm like, <laughs> Communicate better, yeah, obviously, like, come I'm on. Like, well, you're sort of like defining it with the word. So <laughs> what do you want? And I'll just say for even me, like sometimes I'm a little slow on the uptake. I don't know what you want unless you tell me, right? So if you say, I want us to have better communication and that's what I want, I'm going to guess. And the reality is I'm probably going to guess wrong if I haven't been doing well already. Right. So I'm not likely to go from doing poorly to guessing correctly. And so this is the part then where we have to say, practically speaking, what do we need to do to move the box? Right? So it's good to be explicit sometimes when you're saying expectations wise, if I want better communication, that means that we talk every night, half an hour, just the two of us, that kind of thing. Yikes. That's a long time. But yes, <laughs> if we... If we have to do too that, too much we have time to, to be alone. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's like... way too much time. Who, who likes anybody that much? But <laughs> no, I think it's that practical, like, this is what we'll do, and then we'll see if it changes. And we can always shift or like renegotiate that. But if you don't know what to ask for in a specific way, the other person won't do it. And it's just like any new skill that you learn. If you start something and nobody tells you what to do, like, you're just going to make it up be really, really hard. So you have to, at this point, say, here's how I think we move the box. 
we move this piece first, we move this piece second, third, then you do this, I do this. And then we kind of track it. So it's like, are you actually doing that? And you don't have to be like an accountant with this where you're like keeping tick marks and all this stuff, but you do have to kind of keep an eye on like, okay, we'll check in next week. How's this going? An example would be, I know with us and my marriage, I've said like, I want health to be more important and I want time for each of us. And so we're going to go on walks. Like that's just a good way to like have time to talk and also health. So we're going to do it three times a week. So we're doing it three times. We check in like how many times did we walk last week? Well, we went two, but we're keeping track. Okay. We're not saying like, well, we went two and it was one was 36 minutes and the other was 14. And I, so we got to be a little bit graceful with that, but we keep an eye on what we're doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Quick question before we wrap up this episode. If you have a box, say, to keep with that metaphor, yeah, that's already been beaten up, it's scuffed, people have tripped over it, et cetera, and you don't know how to approach it without dragging that history back with it, how do you talk about something that you feel like has already been gone over and over and no resolution has come? Do you avoid that to talk about other things that are stressing you out or... What's a good strategy for being able to take care of those things? Yeah, so I think that's a great point where some of these issues are really attached to other issues. And some of them are really big stuff. I mean, sometimes the boxes, if you will, that people talk about are things that are like really, really hard to talk about. And so I get why they don't. And those things are attached to so many other things that are really hard to talk about. I think that everything matters. It's all important. And if you're going to work it out, you won't work all of it out at once. And so then chances are you probably need somebody to help you get a real assessment of it and say, like, what do we need to deal with first and what second and third and fourth? Because if we take the approach of like, I'm going to deal with all of it at once, you're really not going to get anywhere. You know, you just aren't. And so you have to do it one by one. I think, too, John Gottman, he's a guy who's done a ton of stuff with relationships and research, and he talks about conflict, and he says, some of these boxes, they're just unresolvable. We can share our feelings and like meet each other there, but some of them we can't fix. We can just maybe have a better relationship with. So just acknowledging, too, that like there isn't always a direct solution, although I would love that, and you'd probably love that, but sometimes it's just how we relate to this issue is what's important. Okay. So at that point, if there's something that's already been gone over and it's unresolvable, there's a way to sort of resolve the unresolvable and agreeing to disagree. And sometimes that might require bringing in that third person, like you talked about, going to a counseling session or bringing in someone else. Right. And kind of deciding not how do we never talk about this again, but how do we change our relationships so that we're both on the same page, right? So if we're not going to change it, then I just want to see both people agree they're not going to change it and they can grieve that or do whatever they need to do or the person can talk about their frustration, but I want us on the same page. I just don't want us thinking, I think we're going to deal with it and you don't and I'm angry at you because you're not. So at that point, the box, which we will never get away from that analogy. This whole episode is called the box. <laughs> yeah, it's called the box. Um, the, the box becomes a piece of furniture and you both yeah. accept it. Yeah, you do. Sometimes it smells funny and it bothers you. And other times it's a great place to set some stuff on. Yeah, and if it you put becomes, a lamp on that. Yeah, it yeah. just becomes part of, <laughs> yeah, part of our life. And so there will be things like that. But I want to have us both agree that it's there. And that's the purpose that it has. Well, if you're listening to this episode today and you're thinking, holy moly, what am I supposed to do? Take a really deep breath and just know 
that you're ahead of most in the sense that you're trying to do something different. And to be quite honest with you, not a lot of people do that. And so I think it's pretty awesome. If you're also hearing this and you're like, I have no idea what to do about any of this stuff. And you just said a lot of things that are really, really challenging and you did it in a way that makes it seem simple. Sorry, that's kind of <laughs> one of my gifts, if you call it a gift. So yes, some of this is really, really hard stuff. And again, ask for help if you need it. You don't have to solve it all on your own and you really shouldn't. My marriage wouldn't be where it's at if I hadn't asked for help, to be really honest with you. That's hard for me to do being in the industry I'm in, but the truth of it is if I didn't ask for help, it wouldn't be as good as it is. And so you might need to ask for help too, and that's pretty normal. So as you come out of this, if you have questions, thoughts, comments, please send them to me. I'm always interested in hearing from people and helping more. Hopefully this content is helping you along. We will continue to dig into relationships, all their nuances and all the fun stuff about them next time. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us on OK What's Next. If you have thoughts on today's episode, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. To get Jason's newsletter, go to at jason.vanruler on Instagram and tap the link in his bio. If you'd like to book Jason or learn more about his experience, go to jasonvr.com. We'll see you in a couple weeks with a new episode. Until then, stay happy and healthy and have a great week.